You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest show of the SM Media Euro 2020 show. I'm Scott McTide, delighted to be your host as always. We've got a very busy show to get through tonight and we brought along our star-studded panel as always. Mark Wilson, see her. No, the best Saturday night for you, Wilson, was it? No, it certainly was not. Um, very, very, very disappointed in Ukraine's performance. Not to be fair, not that I expected much more from them, to be honest. Because <laughs> um, I think they've been honking as well. Um, but disappointing result. But let's hope. I'm now, I'm now half Danish. So let's see if they can do us a favour uh, Wednesday. Shankers is on as well. Shankers, how are we doing? I am as good as good as we can be for a Sunday evening. Very good. Rory Lloyd's here as well. Rory, how are we? I am as good as I can be when Wilson gets a prediction right. He was he was right. He blew they blew them away. Um, which is I slightly concerning given that I didn't know how they would how would handle getting getting through a team that might be stuffy, but Wilson was absolutely right. Just blew them away. Definitely. We're going to look back in the two games on Saturday as the quarterfinals drew to a close. We'll preview the two semi-finals and we're going to take some fan questions, not just in the Euros. We've got a couple of Scottish football questions as well. So we'll go back to our roots for this, the end of this show. But we'll start off with the, the game in Baku, Czech Republic 1, Denmark 2. Denmark booked their place in the semi-finals. They become the first team to, to reach a semi-finals after losing their first two group games. Rory, do you feel Denmark deserve to go through? I probably, on the balance of play, I would say so. I don't think Czech Republic did quite enough to get that second goal. Uh, some of Denmark's quality in the first half was was excellent. I'd, listen, the circumstances surrounding it, the, the 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 first two defeats were obviously tragic and things like that. So, you know, you can you can look at that and go, they've got momentum through all pulling together through what happened. But to lose your first two games and then be sitting in a semi final, having performed the way they did in the quarter in the last sixteen and then last night is brilliant because Czech Republic on, on their mugs and one thing I would say is that Chick going off injured with 10-15 minutes to go was a big blow because they needed him on the park it was some finish by the way um, to get them back in it uh, I think that was his fifth goal of the tournament so yeah. on the balance of play Denmark does he have to go through I would I would say but you know one of those ones where if Czech, Czech Republic do score and it goes to extra time I don't think it's an outrage but I um, they seem to have the full full of Europe behind them um, Denmark so they've got momentum They've got that emotional pull to to try and get to the final now. So we'll, we'll be interested to see what happens. But to answer your question, I think the best team went through on the day. Yeah, definitely. Delaney gave Denmark the lead by a header. And then it was a terrific goal from Kasper Goldberg from an excellent cross by Joachim Myler before Sheik gave, gave the Czech Republic a lifeline in the second half. But Shankers, how impressed were you with that, that Denmark performance and the second goal? Because I think it's probably one of the goals of the tournament. It is. Uh, it's a great finish. One of the, the boys that I was watching, we were talking, and if if he goes and attacks the ball away with outside his boot and, it, and it, he misses just before half-time, then he's getting absolute pelters because I, it, oh, I know it was there's still another half to play, but it kind of technically killed the tie, but it's a it's a terrific finish, and Denmark are probably well, the winners when, when the Czechs get, get the goal. Probably got a goal as as good a time as they they could have got uh, they could have thought of four minutes into the second half. It's a, a long time to to get something at the game, but 
I was saying last night, I agree with Walton. I, I think the game kind of died a death later on, and whether it's too much football for the for the for the players or or whether it's too many minutes uh, under their belt or whatever. But I just felt that later the game got on, it just kept kind of a bit of a slog almost. And but for the Czechs, they for although they they had to push for it and and try and get an equaliser, I never really felt as if. Felt as if it was coming, and and then what were were the winners? And for their start of this tournament to now, it's it, it's fifth play to them to get to this stage. I think that's an achievement in itself, and they've got nothing to lose now. So good luck to them. Yeah, definitely. Well, soon I'll get your thoughts on the game first, but I want to come to you about the the stadium. Obviously, it was played in Baku uh, with ten thousand fans. There was thirty three thousand tickets available. Did that giant that just ruin the atmosphere? The fact there was so little people in it. I mean, I think any half-empty stadium um, is going to have a have, have an effect on because obviously we've either had no fans and now we're starting to drip feed um, them in. I mean, the stadium itself looks absolutely fantastic, but I just I just wonder what what the sense is in playing Denmark, Czech Republic, and Baku. Surely there must be a wee degree of flexibility to play it somewhere kind of more neutral between the Denmark and the Czech Republic, maybe somewhere in Germany or something. Um, to play the game, but I think I think you always find that you know it's again we've been we've been kind of brought up you know and not that it's what happens rarely, but even sometimes when you've maybe been at Ibrox or Parkhead and the home team's losing and a lot of the fans leave, it's quite a surreal feeling to be in a sixty thousand or fifty thousand seater stadium with ten thousand folk left on it. So I'd imagine it must be quite tough for the players because they're getting no kind of motivation or anything, not kind of you know, feeding from the crowd, but. I says it was senseless to play the game there, in, in all honesty. Um, but I says that's, that's if that's what you're for doing, then so be it. But yeah, very strange that there's lots of neutrals. It was a wee bit. I felt like the same, and I know a lot of folk uh, don't particularly like Hamden. I quite like Hamden, if I'm honest. Um, but playing a Sweden-Ukraine game there, you know, there's not that many Swedish people or Ukrainian people in Scotland, so the travel and all that it doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of the venues for the games. And I know we moan about England playing all their games at Wembley, but at least there's England fans in there, you know, unfortunately. But yeah, definitely. It's all set in stone, isn't it? So it's kinda it's kinda hard when when the teams are are getting to that stage when it's probably all marked out anyway. But you would think how many stadiums was there eight? You would think they would be able to compromise when they see right it's the two teams that's in it move that a bit more central especially yeah. when there's not especially when there's there's, there's 20,000 tickets unsold like it's I mean yeah, Barclay, it Barclay, Barclay all places. Why, why is that even a, a venue to start with never mind <laughs> one of the venues for a for a quarter final yeah definitely but Denmark about their place into the semi-finals they will play England on Wednesday night at Wembley England about their place with a 4 0 win over Ukraine very convincing Opposite of what I think we, the three of us, three out of the four of us thought it would be Harry Kane with a double, Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson got in in the act as well. Shankers, what was your overall thoughts on England's performance? I, I said on here I, I thought they would get an early goal and then they would take their foot off the gas and maybe get one later on when, when Ukraine were pushing forward. But it's probably, they, what, I think, not the worst thing, but I think. One of the things I took from it is I think England can still play better. I actually think England could still raise it a wee bit, and and that's 
the bad the bad thing is that I'm sure that I speak for the four is that the last thing we want to see is England going and and win this tournament. But I actually think they can play better than maybe when they're playing a, a bigger opponent, which you've seen in the Germany game. They got they got the result, and I think heads head says uh, heart was saying Ukraine, head was saying uh, an England win. They were too strong for them all over the park, and Ukraine could probably just walk away with their heads held high that they got to the stage they got to, but England dominant, and as I've said repeatedly before, they'll really, really fancy themselves now, and, and so they should. Yeah, definitely. It was English, England's strongest win at the Euro since 2004. Rory, you've said before that you weren't impressed with, with England, England's performances so far, but did they change your opinion last night? Aye, they did, to be fair. Um, I think Shankers has been a bit harsh. I don't know if you can play much better than that. I mean, considering how Ukraine set up, if you look at either side of Harry Kane, you've got Sterling was outstanding, especially in the first half. He really, really was. He, he impacted the game with every touch of the ball. He never gave the ball away. He was taking it in difficult positions in his own half, winning three kicks, setting up the goal. Sancho grew into the game, had some really nice touches. Up top, you've got Harry Kane scoring a couple of goals. Defensively sound, Harry Maguire going up, getting a goal as well. They moved the ball at pace. They never gave Ukraine a minute. They dominated the first half, although when Ukraine did change their shape with maybe five, six minutes to go the first half, they looked a little bit better. England came out in the second half and just put the game to bed instantly. And uh, they, they didn't rest on it either. They went and scored two more goals. And, you know, historically watching England, you know, as an outsider, you always feel they're, they're susceptible to losing one of the easier ties. History would tell you that or mentally no quite being to the standard to win a major tournament. But last night they were exceptional, I must say. They were they were really, really good. Um, I enjoyed watching them. They moved the ball, like I said, really quickly. I've not seen one team yet that I think could beat Italy. Whereas last night, uh, last night I would say that if England can turn up and play like that in the final, if they get there, I think they could beat an Italy or a Spain. Wilson, you've mentioned before, obviously allegiance is out the window. That this England, you feel this England team would it was all falling into place. Do you stand by that? Yes, I do. Um, I, I touched on it the other night. Now, again, no disrespect to Denmark, but I don't think there's a squad in the whole of Europe where it's been at European Championships that's as good as the England squad. And I think the adaptability and the changes that Gareth Southgate can make because this is a, as, as poor a German team as, you, as you, I've probably ever seen in my lifetime. Um, as poor a Spanish team, you know, it's been in the last, I mean, I've seen some real poor Spain teams over the years, but since obviously their success at the Euros and the World Cup, poor. France have some incredible world-class players, felt the, the lottery of penalties, you could argue. Um, but in the England team, I don't think there's either, maybe no some world-class players in each position, but pretty much all these players are a very, very good players, and they have got the littered with world class players as well. And as I say, I just I cannot see. I, I could easily see them taking four off Italy as well. The way they're playing, the only the only slight negative, it would be interesting to see whether it be the semi or the final if the opposition score first, and see the reaction from from the crowd and the players. Because as I say, there's been some real. I mean, England's toughest game has been against Scotland. 
I think there's been a couple of times though where maybe even last night as well, but Scotland was another one. The goalkeeper and perhaps Walker, they became a bit uneasy. There was a couple of niggling mistakes last night. That I, I, I think I think that's in Kel Walker's game though. I, I, I think because he's so blessed with great pace, if he makes a mistake, he knows he's going to be able to recover to, to some degree. I, I think a lot of the time Pickford can be um, susceptible to an error, but I think he's just been... I think he's just night. been told, see if that comes back to you and there's a guy within 10 yards, launch it. So you see a lot of these continental goalkeepers, which annoys a life at me in the last 30 seconds of the game. They're playing 16 passes across their six yard box rather than getting it forward. I think Pickford's been told if you have any 1% doubt, then I'll just launch it up the field. Um, and as I did say at the start of the tournament, if England were not going to win it, I think it would be something you know to do with I don't think Pickford's. He's a good goalie. He's not a great goalie, in my opinion. I'm sure his bank manager will tell me different. <laughs> but whereas if you look through the rest of the team, you know, you're not going to... I mean, the four right-backs, you're not going to get many better right-backs in the world than probably the four of them. Um, uh, look, 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 Shaw. That's why he was terrific last night. Exactly. He's, he's been outstanding this season for Manchester United as well. You know, Harry Maguire gets his critics, but... You know, there's not as many headers and John Stones kind of comes on again because Harry Maguire's doing the dirty work. Again, I'm not... I'm quite sure there's probably better holding midfielders in the world than uh, Rice and Phillips. But from the front four on and even the guys on the bench, you know, Sancho, Foden, Mount, Gaelish, Kane, you, you'll struggle to go anywhere to find better than that. And that and that's why I think they're... I mean, I, I would just put the name on the tournament the and save playing. These two games... Um, for them because, as I say, I think they're more than capable of ripping Denmark to bits and the Italians to bits. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's very different though. Like I do agree with what you're saying and see if it was a, over the course of a league season, then then I would put England probably top of the tree with France, you know, as a kind of two-horse race. But the best team doesn't always win tournament football. Man City won that Premier League by a distance last year, yet Chelsea won the Champions League. So when it comes to knockout football and one-off games, the best team and the best squad doesn't always win. France are an example of that this year. And that's what I mean by mentality when it comes to England. I think they'll fall short because I don't think they've got the mentality and I think there's too many doubts from previous years in their head. Ajax went well so far. I don't doubt what Wilson's saying and I agree to an extent. I don't think they're capable of beating Italy 4-0 um, without conceding a goal to Italy. I think they're capable of scoring four goals potentially, but no going out and trouncing them 4 nothing. However, I think that where England will fall short, it's not a squad of the quality. That's undoubted, and and it is probably the best in the tournament, in my opinion, after France, starting 11 wise. But it's a mentality thing. Tournament football is a different ball game. The best team will win a league. The best team always wins the league. The best team doesn't always win a Champions League. The best team doesn't always win a major championship um, when it comes to international football. And I think that. But, but um, what I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. But what I'm, what I'm saying is. I don't think there's, like, when Man City winning the Premiership, as you gave the example, you know, Man United were good last season, Chelsea were good, you know, Liverpool were good. I don't think there's been anyone else good, maybe out with Italy so far in this tournament. But again, Italy have beat Belgium, which folk were saying, oh, the winners of that will win it. I didn't think Belgium on the right were particularly great. I felt Italy played well. But I just think their style against the England style, I, I, I think England are more than capable. Oh, do you not? Do you not think England have, have came across, like, got over a sort of mental barrier this tournament compared to 
like maybe they got to this stage in 2018, but they, they I mean, Kane, how many Kane scored a last minute goal against Panama, I think, whereas Maguire scored a goal later on against somebody as well. Kind of a, we're scraping through games then, whereas no conceded a goal now up to this stage. They're winning when they're not at their best. I, I think that is the sign of a team that, that goes in and wins a, a major. Possibly. Goal. No, it could be, but I, I, I do think they'll fall short. They might get to the final based on playing Denmark, but I do agree with Wilson, though. Um, seeing them go 1 0 down will be interesting. Um, and that will be, if they come back and, and win from going a goal down, then that would probably test my theory wrong. But I just think that at the first sign of a wobble or a difficult situation, you'll see different people um, on that pitch. Do you think Do you think the psychological thing can work in reverse, though, in terms of the media are just waiting to pounce on them and, you know, the boys are saying, well, if we get beaten the semi-finals or the final or whatever, we expect that well, because... No matter uh, how far we go, so there's actually maybe no pressure on them to go and express themselves. I, I think the, the, this type of group of players, I've said it before, has has got that mentality. Not that they're no caring what media says, but I just think that they're just so confident in their own ability to go and express themselves. I think it's a different type of player than, than they've had before, and I think that works massively in the favour with Mountford and Grealish, Rice and Phillips to a certain extent because we've never had midfielders. I'm not saying no as good as that, but like it's totally different to what we've had before and, and it seems to be working somehow. And I'm going to have to keep my words because I say England would never win the tournament with in the middle, but it's looking very likely. I think, I think well, I, that... again, I, I, always, I always think that, you know, when, as I say, I, and it would up me, it would make me angry. For example, if, if I was Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard Hi. and I'm sitting in the studios now and I'm at Rangers training and going, we couldn't get to a World Cup final, a Euro final. Look at us, and you're watching Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. Even the lights need us respect. As I say, I, I, I think he's a great player, but they must be looking at Luke Shaw and going, wait a minute, we had Ashley Cole, we had John Terry, we had Rio, and these guys are world class. And, they could, and then they could walk away and see you know, Declan Rice with a European Championships medal. But this squad's more of a team, though. That's mm. that's one thing I've noticed. I think it, that, man, England that, team, I, I, isn't, I, I, that England team, uh, fifteen years ago, they would talk about how they could communicate with one another. Like, I don't nah, think it was that, that, that's, that's, that's their fault then. Ah, no, I, I don't agree. That's, that's 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 a difference. Comes back so, to think. what you said the other night as well, Wilson. Though that the standard of opposition is there, but when you look at the teams that have won these tournaments and the teams that are competing, you know. The teams that this England team, this side are playing against, and it sounds bitter, call it what you want, as a fact, when you look at the, the Spanish team of 2008 through 2012, you look at the German team from years ago, this team would not be able to compete, this England team would not be able to compete with those sides on a oh, consistent oh, basis. Yeah, so there's a bit, there's, there's, what Wilson said the other night is, is, is very relevant to what we're talking about here. I think that with the uh, you put, it would be very interesting to see that England side, that golden generation England side in a tournament. This tournament, I know you're never going to get that. It's hypothetical, but uh, you, you can't tell me if you had Paul Scholes and Gerard in their prime, they wouldn't they wouldn't be playing and they wouldn't be sitting on the bench. Put it that way. But we'll move on to the we'll preview the semi-finals, which are coming up, and all roads are now at Wembley. The Wembley has got the next three games. We'll start off on Tuesday night, Spain versus Italy. Rory, you've been very very bullish about that Saturday team. What do we think is going to happen here on Tuesday night? 
I think we'll win. Um, I think we'll go through. I think that I, I just love watching them. Even the first night, you, you know, you turn on the, the telly and what I often do is when you, you put the football on sometimes, you find yourself going on your phone or, you know, Italy are playing Turkey. You go on your phone or you start doing the dishes. Or I sat and watched the full game. They were that good. I just loved watching them. And I thought, it'd be interesting to see who else turns up and plays like that. And I don't think any team did on the opening fixtures. And then you watch them in the second game and they're, they're fantastic again. And then against Wales, made changes, did the job. Uh, they were a bit sticky against Austria. And then that performance the other night against Belgium, um, Insigne and Immobile and watching them all, they just, everything from the managerial suits right through to their finishing is just top, top draw. Then you look at Chiellini and Benucci and Donnarumma and the way they, you know, they're celebrating every tackle and every every run and every goal. And I just feel like something special is happening um, with them. I, I, I kind of see past them. I, I, I really do think, um, I, I do think it'll, England have got a shot now, but I would still have Italy down as firm favourites, the, the, the way they're playing. They, they've got such a good balance. They're so good to watch. Um, and I think they'll come out on top against Spain. And I think the way, I know Spain have scored a lot of goals. I think we'll have a lot of possession, Spain. I think it'll be like a, a John Hughes team. They get loads and loads of possessions, but kind of, kind of get anywhere to the goal. And I think when they come up against Italy, it'll be a little bit like that. Um, and I think Italy will run out. And I, I could see it being 3 0. Big call for Rory Italy to win 3 0. Shankers, what are we thinking for Tuesday night, Spain versus Italy semi final? Uh, I agree with Rory. I think Spain will have a lot of the ball. Uh, it's just whether they've got a cutting edge to, to beat Italy. And, you see some of the Italians, Donnarumma, they celebrate a, stopping a, a shot, blocking a shot, stopping a cross, whatever, the same way as, as they celebrate a goal. And, and I just think their mentality, their winning mentality, they've been on unbeaten in, what, 30-odd games. And that that's, it takes a lot to go, go on a run like that. And the momentum, and whether you're beating somebody 5-0 or 1-0, see just winning constantly and they're getting used to it. Start, you can see that they're willing to do anything to, to win a game of football. They've got their bodies in the line, they're doing everything. Whether, whether we like it or no, wasting time and all that, it's all part and parcel. You're just showing they will do anything to win the game. And at this stage of the competition, before the before the competition, I, I didn't see them coming to this stage. But now that they're here, I would love to see. Italy and England get to the final, think it would be a right cracking game, and, and that's what I fancy. I, I don't think it was comfortable as 3 0. Uh, I think it could be 1 1, one by 1 goal, 2 1 or 1 0 Italy, but I think I think it would be well deserved uh, if, if they get to the final. Uh, I would like to see Spain do it, but I think I thought Italy will be. Shank, another vote for Italy for Shankers. Wilson, how do you see the Spain Italy game going? Uh, I actually think it might be a wee bit different. Um, I think with the way things have been going this tournament, I can guarantee that this semi-final will go to extra time and penalties. So there's again, there's the fatigue that sets in. Um, and and again, I, and I'm talking historically, I'm a lot older than you guys. I sometimes think the psychology thing comes into the Italian teams over the years as well. Um, so I'm going to go, I think Spain will win on penalties. But it'll go the it'll go the full way, and then I mean then it, then it's a lottery. Um, but they missed a couple say, of penalties the other night, Spain. Sorry, they missed one or two penalties the other night. Big Donnarumma yeah. and the goals. 
It do, yeah, well, do, I mean, again, but again, um, it's a mentality thing for me. You know, I just, I just, I think I don't, I don't, I don't see Ireland beating England anyway. So it's kind of probably irrelevant who who goes in. Italy have done well. Italy have been better to watch than Spain over the piece, and I think at the moment they're probably a better team, but. Again, you know, not to value my predictions on this channel, so I'll go Spain on penalties. Rory, how, how are you going to see your beloved Italy score past uh, this Spain goal? Going to be cheering and in tears at the same time. Back, back to him. It'll be three 0 three nil Italy, but um, big Shy will be man of the match. <laughs> That's how good Italy will be. He'll get man of the match, and he'll still get beat three 0 Wilson, we want a score prediction as well. Uh, no, no. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see Italy winning 2-1. I think Spain are going to create chances. I just don't think Benucci or Chiellini is going to let them take them. I think there's a big, big thing with possession here, but I just I think Italy are going to be too strong. Spanazole is a big miss, which we'll come on to in a few minutes, but I think Italy are going to be strong enough to beat Spain. I think we'll take I, their see, chances see, better. Just on and on. See, Marata, he's not a great tournament, right? But he's playing against two centre-backs that he knows very, very well. Whether I know that they're probably two of the toughest defenders to play against, but I'm sure Rory's come up with, come up against boys and he's, he's playing days that he knows that he's played against before or he knows well and stuff like that. And it, it can work totally against you because they know you as well, but it can work for you. And he's, whether he's, he's not been confident this tournament, he's like, and I know them almost inside out. And I know... Kenny, he's not he's not had a great tournament, but he could he could be thinking about that as a, a wee bit of a, a confidence booster. I, I, I know I know can't see it, man. I, I cannot see it. I think that I would love to see it because I, I just I almost Benucci feel sorry Kaylini for him. Benucci and Kaylini will have him subbed by no, nah, they won't have him subbed actually because <laughs> they've got they've got nobody to bring on. To be fair, he stays on the pitch, but Benucci and 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 Kaylini are eating for dinner. So we're going. We're pretty much we're three three votes for Italy and Wilson to go for Spain and penalties. Wednesday night, England, Denmark. Wilson, you're pretty much saying there that you fancy England. Give us a score prediction. And where uh, when will the game be finished by? Uh, half time. England will oh, two 0 by half time. Um, and I'm 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 maybe let Casper Michael score late on. So we'll go. I'll go three <laughs> one England. 3-1 England. Very, very comfortable. Very Who's comfortable. scoring first? Uh, uh, depends on the team. Depends on the team. Do you think he'll change I mean, the team because Denmark will play more open? No, in, in my, I, I think he'll go with a good front three, Foden, Grealish and um, Sterling. I think he might go with three um, and rotate okay. those three. No, I will play up front. That would be the three behind. Oh, right, right. Along with the two Paul Lamberts and Holden midfield. <laughs> Um, I think he, I think he could match Denmark by Denmark play three four three. I, I think that. he could go and match them up like that because he done it with Germany. Germany play the same, and they went and matched Germany like for like. And I think he could do the same with Denmark because you go around every single one of the players. England's got a better player in, in each position. I think he could go and match them up. And, Jake Sancho keeps his place. No, no. I thought he played. Did Did you think he played well? I thought he played well. Aye, the game suited him to a tee where England's got all of the ball and, and he's going to get the ball fed to him all the time. Aye, you're playing against Stilton of the European Championship, <laughs> you know what I mean? For 75 million, I'd be expecting some good touches, to be honest. Bloody hell. 
know what I mean? No, but as I say, I'll, well, because I mean, in, in my predictor, I've got England to win it and Kane to be top scorer. So I'll that, go that, that does that does make a mockery of the whole thing at times, though. I mean, Ukraine got what three points. We're sat in the hotel rooms for two nights, wait to see if they went through, and then they go through. Uh-huh. They slog it out against a better team, win on penalties. Then you're sitting down to watch a, a quarterfinal European Cup, and somebody's getting dicked for now. I I totally agree. You it, regardless of performances. You wanted your Belgiums, your Italy's, your Germany's, your you want the eight best teams in the quarterfinals. I, I, I prefer that without the round of 16. I know it's good for us as, you know, football lovers sitting watching these games, but it's far more competitive when two go through. I think that's I think that's that's the way it should be, but I know we get more games in this way. But then Scotland wouldn't have been there, so we'll just keep it the way it has. Thanks do, you, very much. do you think uh, the Sancho starting was almost a token gesture? Because I think they could, I think anybody... Like, how many teams do you see that somebody no play in the first three games and then goes and starts in the, in the last 16? It, it, it's almost as if he knows that he's comfortable enough can just chucking him in. I mean, no other team would, would bring somebody out the blue. I, I think that's one of England's You know what I always think of? See, at the end of the game, Southgate, it was it was on the cameras on Southgate for quite a while, right? And he, and he grabbed Grealish to come out the dugout and he, he had his arm around him and he was talking to him for a good... I'm going to say a good couple of minutes. Obviously, the camera was only on him for maybe five, ten seconds, but what do you think he was saying? Okay, I know it's... He didn't even do, do you think it shows you the depth of talent that England can afford to keep Grealish and Foden on the bench? Yeah. It's, only, it's only what is it only the two goalies, uh, Ben White and Connor Cody, that's no played a minute. Yeah. Chilwell, has he played? Aye, so. No, he was he was no, too busy winching Billy Gilmer. He was after. <laughs> he's, he's but no, I just think that conversation must be. I mean, how do you have that conversation in that straight after the game? Is it the kind of the old? Is it the token gesture? Keep your chin up, wee man. You're doing well. I uh, well, I think I think he'll, he sees Grealish as a player where if things on the gone right, he plays. Whereas it was everything was going in their favour, so he doesn't really need to bring a Jack Grealish on. Whereas the next game, it probably like Grealish unlocks doors and stuff like that. Like when when things are they going their way, and you have seen that against Germany uh, when he come on, and I think they'll maybe need him more the next game. And he's not be saying that. Can he's not? He can't. He can't always guarantee somebody minutes because you don't know how the game's gonna go. But I think it would be one of the ones where they don't worry because we've got the next game, and and you'll be heavily involved in that. But I don't think he starts the next game either. But I think I think the next game is more suited to him because I think it will be tighter than than what obviously that Ukraine game was. Mm-hmm. Definitely, Rory, give us a prediction for Denmark England. Um, one each England to win two one after extra time. Thank call Shankers. What we got. Uh, I think just just to go to that, I think that they'll pinpoint Pickford because I think Pickford looked really nervous last night, even at three or four nothing, and they'll know he's got mistakes in him. I know he's done well when he's made big saves, but Pickford has got mistakes in him, and I think that Denmark with set pieces, even 30, 40 yards uh, away from the goal, will put things on top of him. They'll get their big guys up, and I think Pickford, if he's flapping early doors, may come under a little bit of pressure from every single set piece. Yeah, I can see that as well. well I think. Right. I can see that. I can actually see that as well because I think Denmark are the best team England are going to play so far, football-wise. I know Germany 
we saw a really good Germany performance against Portugal, but they were non-existent in that England game. Denmark also can fly out the traps the last two yes. rounds. Yeah, so and they, it'll be very interesting if they aye. both can fly out the traps. It could make for a very interesting. And they've minutes. got two. They've got two wing backs who put on excellent deliveries. The left backs and left backs. Uh, Myla, yeah. Myla, yeah. That, that cross the other night and then watching Modric. I mean, everybody teaches their kids to kick with both feet. You'd be watching that, the kids would be going, Are you mad? I'll just do that. That's <laughs> that. <laughs> Again. The yeah. quality of Modric is low yeah. and the quality do of that cross is phenomenal. Do you not think it shows you how good this Denmark team's been, though, when you consider, although we know Ericsson, Ericsson's probably their talisman, isn't he? Like he's, he's probably their best player. It shows you how good, how kind of impressive they've been and how kind of much everybody else is contributing. The fact that They've done really well without their, probably their star man. He's a star man, but I still don't think he's a world-class player. You know? I mean, obviously, I wouldn't wish anything that happened to him on anybody, but as I say, I don't think he's a world-class player, but I agree he's probably their talisman, and maybe that's kind of guided them kind of mentally as well, but I don't think I don't think you would look, apart from Kasper Smith, because I rate him very highly, I don't think you would look at anyone on that Denmark team and say, they're better than their England counterpart. Uh, I, I, that's why I, that's why I think England will just steamroll them the same same as last night. Do we know who the, the Do we know who the last team to beat England at Wembley were? Denmark. It was Denmark. So, did you know that, or did was that just an? No, I did know that. I did know that. <laughs> no, no, I knew that as well. I celebrate any time they get beat. Any time it's at Wembley or away, I celebrate any time they lose. See the way Denmark play. I, I know they've throughout the tournament, I, this is obviously you know, the toughest test. Do you think they can afford to come out and play the way that they've played and no get punished for it? Like being as open as and expansive against a team, especially with the forward players that England's got, do you think they can afford to do that without getting picked off and, and punished? But do you not see that in another way as well? That, like that could happen the other way? あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ
at the end, but we've got a few Euro questions. How big a miss will Spinazzola be to Italy, Shankers? Huge, I think. Uh, I, I think it's different because I always prefer a, a left-footed player playing at left-back just for the balance, but he's totally changed that uh, that complex and with, with the way he plays. I think he looks brilliant with Insignia uh, in front of him. I, I think he's going to be a huge miss and I think it's em, is it Emerson at Chelsea that's going to play some money yeah. Yeah. yeah, he'll play. Which he's obviously still a good player, but for the tournament, I'm kind of bucket for him because how good he's been to get to this point and then so close and then he's missing out. But that also gives Italy, I've seen a couple of posts in their, their social media and, and there's a few things about him, all the players are singing his name and stuff like that on the plane on the way home. And, Maybe give them an extra incentive to, to go and do it for him. So right, he's obviously going to be a huge miss, but they've, they've still got a quality player in, in Emerson to, to replace him. So they will miss him, but um, as I said, they've still got somebody to and cover. It will be different though because he's a left footed player, so whether they have to change up any, anything tactically, but it'll be a big miss. Yeah. Rory, is Spinners all been one of the standouts to you in that early team? I absolutely. Um in that first game against Turkey as well, he was he was outstanding, he really was. Um but they've got strength and depth. The fact that Lockie Lockie Telly kinda get a game kind of suggests that they've got strength and depth. I do think they're weakened by Spinazola missing, but I don't think it's gonna weaken them to the point that they need to play a different way or a different style of play or a different formation and things. So I think if Emerson can come in and do his job and contribute offensively, maybe not to the extent that Spinazola does. If he can come in and contribute offensively, then um, then Italy will be fine. Yeah. Walsh, and you get to add into Panazola? No, I just, I just think, like, any manager when they're picking their squad, you know, they're going to have to have two players for each position, you know, depending, because it could quite easily have been suspended for this one or whatever, you know, so they just they just got a call. That, that's part of tournament football. That's why you're allowed 26 players. But he, he's, he's been a very good player. He's been a very good player. And, so if, you, if you're missing your best players, then, you know, this is why I say about England's squad in depth, you know, if, you know, Trippier doesn't play or Luke Shaw doesn't play, there's somebody able to come in. And if the guy's playing with Chelsea that's coming in, then he must be pretty good as well, I would imagine. Definitely. Wilson, have the Belgium golden generation failed to deliver at major tournaments and was that the last chance for glory? Yes. Yeah. Um, big, big failure for, for the players that they have. I don't see the likes of Vertonghen, Alderweireld um, making the World Cup qualifiers. And that. I think their, their day is going. Courtois must be uh, pushing that kind of age as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you still have De Bruyne, Lukaku. You still have you know some world class players. But in terms of that squad and the ability in that squad, yeah, I think that's that's the Belgians done. Yeah, Rory, what's your thoughts in Belgium? I listen. It's hard to disagree with that, but it kind of comes back to what I'm saying earlier. It's, it's very difficult at that level to go and win four one-off games to win a tournament. Um, Italy could play Belgium, you know, ten times, and it could be split 50-50 on who wins. Whether you look at those two squads, so a lot of it comes down to holding your nerve. But I genuinely think that Italy turned up the other night. I think that Belgium were. I know me and Shankers discussed it. Shankers thought it was a penalty. It's one of those ones that you could probably get either way, but they were quite fortunate to get it. I thought, um, and. Italy blew them away, to be honest. 2-0 up. Um, 
and it looked like it was going to be even more when you know Belgium got a bit of a scrappy pen. They stick it away. Italy do enough to see the game out, but in terms of Belgium, I think that's the end of the road for the current squad. But what they might see if De Bruyne and Lukaku are still there in a few years, they might, you know, the, the boy Doku looked really good. They might see a sprinkling of players where there's less pressure on them because they're not expected to do as well. And that's when you get your performances like England in the 2018 World Cup for the first time in my lifetime, England went into that, into that tournament. I don't think even the English expected all that much. And I think that little bit of pressure, no being on them, um, helped them. So you might see Belgium come good again just from the lack of pressure being on them, whereas all eyes were on Belgium at every tournament. They're one of the main teams that are discussed, but you know, as far as the golden generation goes, it's it's aye, it's it's one another one missed for them. Shankers, what's your thoughts on Belgium? He, see how with De Bruyne, Eden Hazard and Lukaku, I think I think everybody else is a good player. I don't think they're, they're world class. I, I mean, the, the defenders, aye, they're really good. They're good defenders, Premier League experience, stuff like that. But I don't think they're, they're world-class players. And for a team ranked first in the world for, I don't know whether they're still first or whatever, but they have been for for a wee while. Uh, I, I don't know if they merit that. I, I, as I said, I think De Bruyne, Lukaku and Hazard are three world-class players, but I think all the rest of them are are just good players and and that's why I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm shocked that they've no uh, they've no won anything. I, I wasn't really I was expecting them to get to this kind of roughly stage of the tournaments. I think that's where where they should be getting to quarter semi finals. But I think there's four or five other nations that, that I would rank uh, better than Belgium and, and that's why I, I I never really think I can't see them winning anything. Can't win it run about the new with, with these players and the age that they're at almost in their prime then I think they will be struggling because be teams like England and stuff like that, Italy they're, they're all getting better so I'm in reports of a rift between Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann do we think Kylian Mbappe has an attitude problem give us to Shankers uh, what a question <laughs> personal assault an attitude uh, it's obviously hard for the outside looking in. You, you, when you see him on the pitch, he never really, he doesn't really give off that. Uh, I wouldn't say he looks like somebody that enjoys his football uh, and stuff like that. So he doesn't. I don't think you really get that from him. But that could be totally different when when you're in house. When it, I mean, when you're training with somebody every day and stuff like that, you get to get to know him and and you know. You can kind of feed off him and see what he's like. So it is hard uh, to tell for the outside looking in that it doesn't really give off that effect. But it could. I, th- I don't think it's. I mean, is there any news of what it's about? I'll just. I will. I will just read what the what they said. There's talk that Kellen Mbappe was unhappy with Antoine Griezmann being the vocal point of the team and is said to have been sulking throughout the whole tournament at the fact he wasn't the main man. Now again, that's. See when you see when you need to feel that you you're the main man and you might think that's an issue straight away, especially with the amount you, of players. You that, say that as well. France of God. He went. He he made himself the fact the man to take the fifth penalty potentially winning penalty. No, see when you when you're saying something like that, it, I'm not saying I'm right, but when when you're saying, I mean, you ha, you don't know how how 
true these Aye. these things are. But if if say it is true, then it's kind of it seems to work in. I think to be somebody like France, how how can you want to be the main man with absolutely the talent of the pitch? So I think if he feels the need that he needs to be the main man and somebody needs to go and tell him that he's the main man, I think that's an issue in itself. I've never got that impression, man. Mbappe, Rory, have you? No, you don't. Listen, mate. I, I don't take you to uh, these types of stories. I don't. I don't particularly enjoy them. You've only got to go back a few years. If you look at every single paper over the last kind of two weeks, who's at the front of them in this country? Raheem Sterling praised praised him to hell all the good things he does and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a bad tournament a couple of years ago. What do they concentrate on? Well, he's bought a million pound house. He's got a gun in his leg. He's got this. He's got that. It's very easy, especially when things don't go well, to try and invent a story which probably doesn't exist. But the media love to do that. So, listen, I'm, I agree with you, Pikey. I, I, I think when you watch, you watch Ronaldo play, and he's so good that he can demand that. I don't think Mbappe's on that level. I don't think he ever will be um, on the, the level of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, but Mbappe doesn't come across at that. He doesn't. You know, he, he doesn't want all the glory. He passes when it's appropriate to pass instead of instead of shooting, etc. So he, he certainly doesn't come across like that. If you want my opinion on it, he doesn't look like he's got an attitude problem. But I wouldn't take heed of what the mainstream media say when it comes to these type of stories. Wilson, yeah, you want to add to that? Nah, they're both rubbish anyway. Who cares? <laughs> I, th- I think when you got see, see when you got all these guys, and I'm quite sure, and it's as you touched on earlier, Scott, about the England squad over the years. There must be guys with massive egos in every squad, and whoever's maybe playing with a better team or has got more money, etc., etc. And as I say, you can yeah, you can look at Mbappe's body language as he went to hit the penalty and it was missed. That's that's going on. You still see guys dinking penalties in school and everyone everything's forgotten about. But, but he could have been nervous. He just could have been nervous. I mean, he's exactly, he's still a young man. He's, he's still a young man. Um, but <clears throat> just just to try and spin the question, Scott, it's a good question. You know, if Shankers and Rory at their glittering careers, have you ever been in a dressing room with someone whose attitude's not quite been spot on and how have you dealt with it? Art Robert says mine's wasn't it, but I was he said yours what he said your attitude wasn't right. Aye. But going, but going from Liverpool to Air, I can understand <laughs> that from training with Gerard, Torres, Suarez to Marco and Kevin Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that, Shankers. You don't have to explain yourself. I don't know if you you seen see when he was the manager here. Someday during the season was in the dressing room and that they were writing a kind of book on the season or something. I don't know if you've read it or whatever. I never read it either, but somebody had said something. I mean, that was that was almost what it was said. And the thing <clears> I was going to sit seven days a week when we were only part time training, getting 120 quid a week as a young boy. And I don't know whether that's expected or no, but. How you can go in and train that amount of times and then have an attitude problem? I don't know if asking or, or expect, not expecting, but thinking that you should be playing in the team at a young age is an attitude problem. I don't know if that's it. So I've never really been in a dressing room with somebody that's got an attitude problem, but I have been told that I am that person. So maybe well, I'm... I've heard Stevie Wilson's got a right attitude problem because he's a big fish doing it, Talbot. But again, that's a bit more. Wally Lyle's probably. <laughs> but again, and again, we're going kind to of digress and go back to the subject enough. But do you not think sometimes <clears throat> that's a generational thing, though? Aye, know, I think Mark, Mark, Mark was what 20, 25 years older than you, mm-hmm. you know, and he's looking at the young boys and he's putting himself when he was a young boy. 
because you hear all these stories about the old YTS boys and being in dressing rooms with experienced pros and the things they had to do, etc. Then that all kind of changed. So he's putting himself, he's rating his attitude at 17, 18 to your uh, attitude. It's not necessarily, uh, not, not that I'm defending him because I'm a <laughs> But <laughs> I'm thinking about in terms of the attitude thing. I don't think he probably meant any harm by it. Mm-hmm. No, no. He's just putting himself in your shoes. At I think every, everybody's saying it, and everybody he speak to has probably said that like fuck has changed completely since. But yeah. then I mean, our manager's very old school, and I think I'm not saying he struggles with it now, but I just think it has to approach things in a different way now because however it's changed. So I, I, I did definitely get it. Uh, I think it's not just full level. I think it's right the way you're doing through. Like even we we boys that are coach and this isn't a, this is just the vibe I get off a young boys nowadays. And it's just when you see boys for like for example, I've got a park just up for me. And when I was young, I was on there as soon as I came for school to nine o'clock at night. And I I hardly see that nowadays. And I just think it's as a generational thing that I don't know whether there's other things going on, but I just don't think there's People want it enough and and enjoy it enough as well. Uh, I mean, life in general in the world you know, it's just went a bit mad. So yeah, I don't know if it's, tough, it's a whole a whole thing about generation. But I think uh, football and, and people have changed massively uh, in the court over the last few decades. I think so I think as well though you, you can have you can have big characters that don't have an attitude problem, and too many big characters in the same dressing room can can cause friction. So the likes of your France squad, you can't know pick certain players because you don't you want to avoid that environment. Mm-hmm. However, if you've got a lot of big characters in the same dressing room, none with a necessarily bad attitude, it, it can sometimes be a little bit fraught. I played in a squad at Dundee, which had Gary Harkins, James McPake, Paul McGowan, Kevin Thompson, Darnell Day. And at times it was almost too many. They were all great guys and all good players, but at times there was just too many maybe opinions or too many. And I was, I gave my opinion. I wasn't always playing, but and at times I think it doesn't even need to be an attitude problem because none of them had an attitude problem, but it was just a lot of big characters in the same dressing room. And sometimes when people have got different opinions, it, it can get a little bit frosty or a little bit fraught. So maybe it's maybe in that squad, it was the same, obviously different level. You've asked me the level I played at, but you look at that France squad and if you have got five or six different different characters who are all big characters, that can lead to clashing through maybe nobody's fault or no an attitude problem, just different views on the game or different ways the game should be played. See, I like I like a carry on and a joke and, and Marco's probably that type as well with that, you know, probably was, I know he was. And and I think sometimes people that make a carry on and a joke can get portrayed to have an attitude problem when it's, it's not the case. I There's a lot, a lot of people of... as well, Mark, uh, Shankers, but I don't know Mark Roberts, so I'm no comment about him. I, I, <laughs> I I've never played with the guy, but a lot of people who are quite insecure in football do that. And what they do is they make a laugh and they joke it because they don't want it to be serious because they can't handle they can't handle it, if that makes sense. Aye, aye. I, I think, who is it? it oh, what? It's like Jason Cummins and, and people like that. They get portrayed about having a bad attitude problem because of he likes a joke and a laugh and stuff like that. But I, I've no doubt that when, when he's training and, and playing his games that he's 100% committed and 100% serious. And I don't know if that's just because he's social media and everything's getting filmed and everything's online and stuff now. So seeing all that stuff and, and people are almost judging a bit of his cover. So 
think that's one of the bad things too nowadays. And and there's nothing wrong with having a joke because you have to you have to have a, a laugh and a joke at some point. If you're going to be serious all the time, then it's, it becomes a bit robotic. So I think people who, who like a tarry on and a joke at the right time, it must be at the right time. I must admit. So I think people like that can also be portrayed of a attitude problem, and it's it's really not the case. Definitely. I couldn't, I couldn't really care anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've one more Euro question, then we've got a couple of Scottish ones. Who has been the most impressive Scottish based player past or present of this year's Euros? Rory, we'll give that to you. Scottish based. Scottish Scot- based, so they've got it played in Scotland either. Oh, right, right. Years gone by. You can include a Scotland player if you want. So I would go with, what I would go with would be. No so, no so much that he's been an outstanding player or the best Scottish based player, but I just think fairy tale wise, watching his dad win the Euros in 1992 has been the biggest underdogs in the tournament. Casper Schmeichel's time at Falkirk. Aye. To repeat that, you know, he's won the league the same as his dad with Leicester. Unbelievable. To see Casper Schmeichel go on and lift the uh, lift the trophy. Um, I don't know if he's the captain, uh, not be sorry, the the, the centre backs, but to yeah. see him lift the trophy at any point, his dad did it in 1992, his major underdogs. Um, you know, getting wild card entry then with everything that's happened with Ericsson um, Kasper Schmeichel who like I said was at Falkirk on loan um, I think that it would be an absolute fairy tale to see, to see him up with a cup Paulson who you got? Uh, I think Stephen O'Donnell proved a lot of doubters wrong um, also go for Michael Lustig <laughs> I think did very well for Sweden as well until they get beat for Ukraine I think subbing him off cost Sweden the game um, but no, I, I, I had Casper Schmeichel in my head as well, I think. You know, he's, I know he played with Falkirk, but to get to a semi-final Euros and Euros. Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, again, you, you look at the squad, you think, OK, fair enough. But I was surprised for this, the, the season that Barisic had and Holander had that they didn't maybe feature a wee bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Linderoff's a, a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. I mean, you could argue he plays Man United every week. Yeah, fair enough, but... I actually felt, and for, again, we don't know what other Croatian left-backs like week in, week out, but Barisic is such a good season and such good deliveries. I was surprised he didn't play a bit more. Um, so I'd probably applaud for him because he had such a good season. But no, I'll stick with Stephen O'Donnell and Lustig. Shankar, so you got? Was that like shockers of the tournament that you just asked about? <laughs> no, it's the two best right-backs in the tournament, I was asked. <laughs> um... It's quite a hard one. Uh, I think it's hard to disagree with Casper Schmeichel. Uh, I mean, I actually forgot he's he's went on and had that much success. He's really actually forget he he's played in Scotland that time. Uh, it says but, in his book the highlight was playing with Rory. I mean, that's in his book. <laughs> it says that's that's a nice. I'm in a lot. I'm in a lot of books. I say that was the highlight of his career. Falkirk had Tim Cruel known as well. No, I didn't yeah, play with him. He was, he was years ago, but he had Tim Cruel on loan as well. The, the Michael McGovern as well. They had some top um, goal, top goalies. Mull as well pulled a few the bike. They had John Ruddy and Darren Randolph. Darren Randolph, right? The Mull goalie they had other year they got moved to Newcastle as well. Yeah, I used to, it was, used was to, he with you? Did you play with him at the Lyle? Uh, no. I did, mate. Aye, aye. Who was um, that? <laughs> you asked me a question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Hey, what was I going to say? We played against Man U in a pre-season friendly years ago and Paul Pogba played on it. So I don't know if like, I've maybe had an influence in his performances at the Euros or that. I think so. So, um, 
I mean, I have to probably take some credit in that, and that's how they popped through the tournament. You know, but you know who was see that member? See that game you're talking about? You remember who actually strolled that game? Shankers. No. <laughs> um, I him and Moffat. Uh, remember Ravel uh, Morrison? Aye, he was. Uh, he was quality, wasn't he? Um, there's a lot. Are we going to talk about players we played against in that tournament? <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> On you go. Give us one. No, I'm, nah, I'm not going to tell you about the time I stuck one in the stanchion against John, St- John Stones. I'm not going to do it. Oh, <laughs> who, who was um, that? Was that uh, Barnsley? Who was it? Aye. Is it? Brilliant. Right, I'm going to go for Danny Ward. I know he conceded four against Denmark, but I thought it was a, the main goal. I thought it was probably the best who goal. Who did in he play with? Aberdeen. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, that's what Kelly wanted when we got happy with Danny Rogers. <laughs> Cost his relegation. Maybe it was his fault. I was torn between him and uh, Greg Kamara. I thought Greg Kamara was probably Finland's best player, but I couldn't really. I forgot all about Casper Smeichel at Falkirk, actually. So, no, like Greg Kamara did well in the Finland games that I watched, to be fair. He was mm-hmm. one of the, the lovely shots. See, see, to be honest, like, off the top of my head, I think that's a hard question just to answer on the spot. Tough to actually sit and kind of go through them. I mean, the name is stuff before we come on. I'm just going to say that, the material that's sent out. gave him a thumbs up and everything. Then you give him a thumbs up with Everton. I can, but you could, I'm thinking about that many things that you just... Uh, baby you, brain, he's got baby uh, brain hands. No, <laughs> I'm trying to think, but apart from the players that you've rattled after, is there many more that, that there's, there's... Unless we go to a Scotland player, but... I mean, Dumfries, does he, does he come into it? For <laughs> How many times can we make that same joke? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Pull him into off-the-ball trope. Right. Uh, I, was right, just, well, I was just looking for all the names that Rory dropped on my living room carpet there. Right, <laughs> right two. John right. Stone's never played for Barnsley again after that, did you? <laughs> Correct. I got my move to Everton. You got my move. <laughs> uh, dear. Right, we'll, oh, move, we'll move for the Euros to Scottish football. We've got a couple of questions to go through. We'll start with one mate, for Wilson first. Does Lee Griffiths deserve a, con- a new contract at Celtic? Yes or no? Yes. Why? Because there's nobody else. And they're not <laughs> going to spend money replacing French Eddie if he leaves. So why not? <clears throat> what have you made that big and so far? Well, I liked his uh, passion and that wee clip they had on the social media. Come uh, on, Wilson. Wait, Come wait. on. No, I was yeah. waiting on this coming up. No, I, th- I think he showed a wee bit of passion. Um, Wilson, is that not how you speak to your, your players when you're like, did he say anything that you wouldn't say? Oh, absolutely not. But I'm better. I'm a better coach than him, though. Can I ask so, a question? Can I ask I a question, right? That. Can I ask a question? Yeah. See if you are see a weekend to getting appointed as Celtic manager, would you agree to be mic'd in your first, one of your first training sessions when you've met <clears> very few of the players? I think I think if he disagreed, I know no, if he disagreed, we probably wouldn't know or wouldn't find out. Yeah. But I think it would. Would it be a red flag to them if he if he disagreed to it? I mean, maybe no. I, I, I know where you're coming from, but what's he got to lose, really? Yeah, you know I mean, he's yeah, going I to, mean, it, sorry, Scott. On you go, Wilson. No, <clears throat> again, I just think it's one of these things now. You know, the Celtic and Rangers and all these clubs are now worldwide brands. So that club is going straight to Australia to sell merchandise and shirts and all that kind of stuff. So that's. That, that's thing, probably why they do these things. It, it used to be in Rory's, Rory and Shaggs have probably done this in the past. It used to have maybe like an open day for the punters to watch a training aye. session. Is it, is it any different to that? 
I'm being unfair. I'm being unfair on the guy. To be fair, I mean, he's in an impossible situation. He's no, you know, it's one of his first training sessions. So I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get what you're saying. Can you imagine, like Gerard? Can Gerard would go for that though? Like his foot one. If he was mic'd up and he knew the video was going to get released, and everybody would need to do that because you're not going to, you're not going to go into in-depth detail when you're being, when you're mic'd up and things like that. You're just not going to do it. So the guy was put in a, in an impossible position. So what I was saying there was kind of tongue in cheek. No, but I G- think Gerard wouldn't do it because he'd be blaming the referees and having the face paint on everybody else for Rangers troubles. So he he wouldn't do it, and he'd need. It's a it's a minimum requirement though to destroy for ninety minutes of the game. No, I, I, I did get what he's what he's saying and the way he's putting it across and all that. But I mean, if if my players don't know that already, we took them to tell them, then that's where you should be worried. But maybe, but maybe, in, in defence of him, is he looking at? Or did last year's performance? He's thinking, by the way, no this, this is the minimum requirement what's expected of me. Aye, aye. aye. But then I, I like, because I, I can't imagine the likes of, I mean, I don't know how many Celtic players are involved with the Euros. I can't really think of Callum McGregor off the top of my head. Are these first team players going to be back? You know, or is he talking to guys like Luca Connell and Anthony Ralston who are going to be playing for Stuart next year? Back to your question. As I say, I don't think there's... And, but I mean, they might go out. The, the rumours are they might sign Nisbet <clears throat> again. If if he's signing Griffiths, does he need Nisbet? If Edward's going to stay, or is Edward already away? Let's talk the day bad for he may, he may be looking to play two up front. You know, the rumours are, I mean, I think Patrick Vera will be sacked before the season starts, probably. If he's <laughs> Ryan Christie for Crystal Palace, <laughs> is he? Um, so again, why not? Now, the, you, you'll, you'll not probably find a better Scottish goal scorer at the moment. You know, so why not? Give him a year. See, see, just to interrupt and go off topic, I've been looking at teams to try and get... As I'm surprised, Wilson didn't pick up in the Austria goalie. He was a, a fan's favourite of yours when he was at Kirby, wasn't he? Backman. Backman. <clears throat> I mean, he's he's probably the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Comarna. <laughs> Alan Doyle? Genuinely. He, I, I don't know. Better, is it better than oh, Lackovic? Oh, mate, honest to God. Backman, it, it, it was like... It was a wee bit like when Ian Durant signed... You've, you've signed a player that's just a different level from the rest of the guys. And, and, and you could tell that as the goalie? I honestly, some of the saves he, he was pulling off. I mean, not, not that I'm a stats man, but he played eight games against Rangers, won four, drew three and lost one, you know. And, and no, back no, as no, the goalie, you know. On, it was, on, on a par with Peter Logan? Well, no, no, let's not be ridiculous here. <laughs> um, let's not be ridiculous, but... He, he just and it, it wasn't just his his, his all round goalkeeping. It was the confidence the back four had on him. Who's Peter Logan? Is that that old kit? Is that the kit man? He's the kind of kit man at Hibs now, is he not? He, he's a, he's he's fair. Just I, I, I used to pick I used to pick him up in the morning. He was a goalie in my youth team, right? And um, I got obviously got offered another contract. Ended up moving on, but he he phoned, so we were reasonably tight for a spell because I obviously stayed with. Um, with Wilson's mum and dad and I, I, I used to walk around to the stadium in the mornings to get sorted and pump all the balls up and get the goal you know when it was proper apprenticeship and um, Peter used to do the same and we used to drive up with Manny the uh, kit man and um, me and Peter used to help him out all the time so Peter texts me a couple of weeks later going Rory Gaffer's trick for me what do you think he wants I think he's going to offer me a contract I think he's changed his mind and in my head I'm going fucking fucking oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, he texts me again, going, he's asked me to be the kit man. <laughs> <laughs> so he took the kit man job, mate, right? He was at the kit man at the Kelly for years and years and years. Great guy, lovely guy. And um, I, he ended up 
having a spell out of it, and then he got asked again at St Mern, and Jack Ross really took to him and took him to Hibs. I don't know if Rory played, but we, we played, I think it was under 17s, and we played Rangers down at Ardea. Um, and the other goalie, Ali Caldwell at the time, um, he just had a shocker. Rangers were up 4 0. He chucked two in. He was really poor. And he's a wee bit of an emotional guy. He was getting a wee bit upset. Blah, blah, me through it. So me and the other coach, Big Stewart, says, maybe we should just take Ali out the fire line. I mean, it's now it's now 7 0. It's not even. He used to play three half hours. Ah, yeah. The first half hour. that day. And it's 7 0. Why don't we just take, take him out the fire line? Just chuck Peter in for the second half hour. So we did that, and Peter chucked four in the first five minutes of the second half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Rory says he was a lovely, lovely guy, a real nice guy, but oh my goodness. We played Rangers in the, the semi-final of the BP Cup. Now, back in my day, the BP, well, from your know, BP Cup was a big thing. I uh, won it. I did, you did, to be fair. Uh, it was a big thing, and we, go, we played Rangers in the... Um, <clears throat> Jamie Hamill would have played, and Stephen Noble, all these type of guys, and... Um, we were flying 1-0 up and, and Peter chucked a couple in I was oh, I'll never forget that I was, was that the game at Broadwood? aye aye and we won it the year before and, uh, do, you, do, you not, do you not always remember about that? it was absolutely brilliant so I think it was Ian Jarrett had left Kelly he was in the Rangers dugout with John Brown right and, it, and this is, I, thought, I thought we were up 2-0 Rory no? I thought it was 2-0 quite possibly 2-0 then aye. Aye. I just remember and, chucking them in so we are telling Lennon. them for the, for the far far side, took a free kick. One of the ones that just goes straight in. Aye. Well, every time, we were just telling the boys, right, 2-0, just kick the ball at the park. At Broadwood, you can kick it down the main street. Just get it launched, launch, launch. And every time we did that, there was somebody around the stadium with a ball, chucking a ball back <laughs> so they could keep the game going. Right? They go up 3-2 and the ball goes out and there's nobody bringing the ball and all the boys are sitting in the Rangers dugout in a bag. They only had the one ball. <laughs> Uh, uh, I was, uh, I was to say, see, see, other, see if you don't make it as a as a pro and you get denied and you don't fancy getting been like going to juniors or whatever. Surely a kit man's going to be up there as an express thing. I mean, hanging about the dressing room all day and stuff like that. And see, Phil Lennifer's an injury, filling the, the 22 <laughs> big side on a Friday. See, see back that, in that day, Shankers, we'll see back in that day when we used to travel to, to Trun or to the science parks or to... What was the oh, the name escapes me? The the place down near air, the big estate. Hawking Crew. Hawking Crew. Hawking Crew. I mean, you're talking Shanker's part of the kit, well, it was part of my job. Nuts and pegs, putting the goals up, putting the nets up, putting like screwing them, nutting them, bolting them in freezing cold weather. The kit man used to help us with all that. Pump up the boys, pump the uh, take the air out them at the end of the session. Kit man would be like party of it. It was a proper graft, man. Uh, Manny went to Norwich after that, didn't he? Ah, he went, he went somewhere, but he's... Um, Norwich then St. Johnson. Uh, don't get me wrong, I don't think a kit man's job would be the same now, so you're probably right, but back, back in the days when I was at Kilt, don't get me wrong, I loved it, but um, it was it was a tough gig, man. Uh, it was hard work. That, uh, the boy that was at Morton got off at the... And he's now the Rangers kit man. Uh, Jim McAllister. Uh, uh, is that what he does there? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's, a, kit, he's a kit man now. Is he? Didn't he not Must be a lot. I've seen his interview and he's gone, I've been offered a job opportunity that again. I never thought I would get that. And I'm going, whatever he's got. And it was the Rangers kit man's job. Jimmy, Jimmy Bell's apprentice, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days back in Kelly, though. Those were the days, man. Uh, the, I've, the got, I've got a good question for you. 
Uh, I, I think I actually said that last night, but I can't remember too much about last night. But see, did you see Gary Dicker? Aye, aye, the job at Brighton. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Gary Dicker has been signed to play Brighton to be the under 23s overaged player. What? What? Love, sorry, uh, answer the question. I, I just love how you've said you've not seen the layout, but that was a question. One of the questions on it. Oh, what's it? So I uh, on you go, but on you go. Uh, uh, I, I think I think it must be predominantly more a coaching role than a playing role, to be honest. Yeah, probably. And sometimes that, I think that, that you guys would have possibly learned in reserve football, playing with more experienced players around you, you know, would would, would benefit you. I, de- I definitely agree with Shang. It's very, very strange. I know your point was about is he taking a place of a really good under 23 player, but I think with the money Brighton probably have. And the wages Gary Dicker will be on does it really make any difference you know <laughs> I think any good player at Brighton would have been signed a- anyway so I think it's probably we have view of going into the coaching side of things further down the line do you think uh, see how he's an overage player see like a, a player coming back for, I don't know how many did he get to play with it's three or four or whatever but see a player coming back for injury or that how does the manager look at it and go oh well we can't play uh, Bishop coming back for his injury because we've got Gary Bitter signed. I don't think he has to play, though. I think he can aye, play aye, over aye, his aye, players. He so. doesn't have to play. So I'd imagine, it's you know, if, if it's a 38-game league season for the under-23s, I can't imagine Gary Dicker's going to play 38 games. As I say, it's probably a view more example, leading by example, you know, captain or first-team coach type thing. I think it's Lean, a by example, coach. getting clubs relegated. <laughs> well, that's true as well. And getting Italian manager sacked and off. Yeah, <laughs> I just lovely man, point. guys. That is a lovely man. A lovely man. Right, final question in Rangers before we finish up. What is your thoughts on Alfredo Morelos' possible move to Porto, Shankers? Um, he's green. He's green, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's... it's I'm not saying it's a strange one. I don't know where I was expecting him to go. I think, I think that's the, the thing that I don't know. I didn't know whether he would go to a foreign league or whether he would go down south or whatever. Porto, I mean, is Porto any better than Rangers? That's uh, a strange one. And that, I thought he would go to a better side than Porto. I mean, Rangers, I think Rangers done done pretty well again. I know it's obviously over two games in a group stage, but I just thought he maybe had a a better move. And I'm not saying that he'll, he'll not go there have a, a couple of years and then and then progress. Give us a give us just, a club shankers that, that that's the next level that you thought he would go to. Give give us an example of a club that you thought he would go to. I thought he would go to like uh I'm not I'm not saying this club but something around about this kind of the level of like Bayer Leverkusen or something like that. I thought he I don't know why you you think they're they're a similar level to Porto. They maybe are, but I just I just it's it was more Porto in the league as well. It is a good league. I just thought it would maybe go to one of the, the kind of top four leagues. There's not the thing of their eighty million valuation. I mean, I can go anywhere he likes. You know, he's worth eighty million. I know. See, so. see, on that being being serious, what, what do you think realistic range could get for for him? Again, I think coming from Scotland, they'll be undervalued as such. I think yeah. if Morelos had that season at Reading, Notts Forest, you know, one of these kind of teams, they'd probably get 30 for him. I think because he's coming from the SPL, between 15 and 20, I would imagine. Rory, do you, do you think it's a good move then? 
or, or I think it's a good I think it's a good move for him. I, I agree with you to an extent, but I think I think if if I'm Alfredo Morelos, I'm looking at that going right. I'm now going in. I, I'm going into the same situation again. I'm going into a. a I'm going into a, a league. Well, I'm going into a league where I'm playing with one of the strongest teams, if not the strongest team in the league, and a lot of the opposition are quite inferior. I think it presents an opportunity to bang in twenty goals a season for him. Aye, now, aye. Whether it does or not, if he does go to buy a Leverkusen, for me, he's still got to prove himself after you leave a Rangers and go to one of these clubs. That's just the way it is. You know, Virgil Van Dijk needs to go to Southampton to get to Liverpool. I think yep. if Morelos goes to Leverkusen and plays in that league, he disappears. He, he, he then needs to come back to the Rangers. I think going to a Porto, he gives himself the opportunity to play against these types of opposition where the team have got the ball. And if they play the way it suits him, he could bang in 20 goals and, and get that move to the next level where I don't think he's good enough to play at that next level personally. Um, I think he suits Scottish football really well. I think when you take him and Edward out of Scottish football, I think Edward will suit a German league or an English league. I think Morelles, I think Porto will be his his peak, personally. Wilson, what you thought? What's your thoughts? Uh, oh, I mean, I, I, th- I think, you know, what, what he did was he kind of got the monkey off his back by, you know, scoring against Celtic, etc. I think and he's, he's, he's won the league now, um, albeit they cheated, but that's another story. Uh, and I think I think he's I think he's ready to move on now. As I say, I, I mean I, I agree. In my opinion, Porto are not a bigger club as Rangers, um, but moving to a, a similar league, as Rory said, might, might do him the world of good. I I think he has, I think he has that killer goal scoring instinct, but I think there's far too many marbles rolling about upstairs. Whether that will be the same in Porto, um, I, I don't know. And I always felt that kind of held him back a bit. And there was a kind of mentality thing against Celtic up until um, Celtic imploded last season. But as I say, I, I, I think I think in terms of European football, people will look at Porto as a better better team as such than Rangers, even though Rangers did really well against them in the in, in the Champions League, uh, the Europa League. But aye, I, I think it's time to move on. And I think, um, if Rangers still have is it Eaton because he always seemed to come on last year score a goal I see Jermaine Defoe signed another contract I would be I would be I wouldn't be surprised as well. who's another boy, one boy fashion Sakala that's just signed ah, he's him. rubbish um, I, th- I would I would imagine they've got somebody in mind around the maybe three, four, five million pound mark that they're going to replace Mary Laws with it's a hell of a job replacing him yeah you can say and they can say what they want about him and in off the field antics and all that, but he's going to be a hell of a... I do rate him, I, I, I definitely do. As I say, I felt he just got... But that's part of his, maybe the, the way he plays, he got a wee I bit think involved he, things he, he shouldn't have. He's better he, he, he can score goals, he can score goals, that's, that's the bottom line. He's, he's untidy at times though, he's untidy and I just think that... In the top that's top, why doesn't he play for Real Madrid or Barcelona or Paris Saint-Germain or whoever, he doesn't he play that just now. That, 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 that shows you where Gerard lets himself down, hasn't he? Coach this guy properly, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Morelos could be reunited with a former Rangers player who's just signed for Porto. MD, what I guess who it is? Bruno Alves. Uh, Fabian Cardoso. Fabio Cardoso. Fabio Cardoso. He's been like to go to Man City. <laughs> okay, that's all that. That's what I was thinking of, uh, Sadiq. Uh, 
former. Who would the fella? Does Candace not play for Porto as well? No, no, he he's a. Uh, I think he's in Turkey. I think he's what a corner flag. <laughs> badge kisser. He was a badge kisser. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap the show up there. I want to thank Wilson, Rory, and Shank as always for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Good luck, right. Denmark. Brilliant. We will be back on Wednesday night after the England-Denmark semi-final to review both semi-finals. Thanks very much to everyone who's tuned in. Follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube.